Today's reading is taken from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 12, and you'll find it on page uh, 1095 of your pew Bibles. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then, and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Starting again, chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. So a couple of weeks ago we started this new series called Game Changers, where we're thinking about the early church, the early Christians, who were game changers in their own right. By the way they lived and acted, by the words they spoke, they brought massive change. And churches grew and grew. Basically, they brought this new Christian faith 
into the world. They'd learned about it from Jesus and it was through their lives that it was able to build and extend. And we want to think about what, what can, we can learn from them. What is it we can learn from these early Christians about the way that we live our lives? And we're going to be looking at that until the end of November. We do have um, a little term card. If you didn't receive one, there are some at the back. And you might want to to pick one up if you haven't already got one and just be able to follow through um, throughout the term. It will tell you the passages that we're going to be reading. You might want to... No, it doesn't, actually. It just tells you the titles. Um, You can look up the passages um, on the rota if you want to find out what those are. But on the back, we've got some recommended resources to accompany the series some feedback I've had is that it might be helpful sometimes to, to have some additional things to, to help us with a particular series, some books that could be read or some podcasts to listen to. So there is a website called CARE, which you might want to look at. That's an organisation that works with politics and they've got representatives in Parliament. They're game changers. They're involved with politics. So if you want to find out more about that, there's information there. The London Institute for Contemporary Christianity produce a lot of materials. They can send out weekly emails. And they're about connecting with culture, connecting with our um, contemporary world, and understanding what is going on. I can highly recommend that. And there's a couple of books. There's Tom Wright's commentary on Acts, which gives you more detail about the passages that we're looking at. And then John Ortberg, if you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. A book that invites us to to step out in confidence in order that we might achieve our potential. If we want to be game changers, we've got to be quite bold at times and step out from our comfort zone, perhaps. So if that helps you at all, do think about what might you read alongside this series so that we actually are growing together. And there's there's plenty of ways of doing that. And I'm hoping that in your home groups you're following the series as well. And again, there's an opportunity there to follow up and to talk about what we've been hearing on Sunday and to think through what can we do practically in our week. And who can we pray for? We all know people who don't yet know Jesus. Can we pray for them by name? And a home group is a good place to be able to do that. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for the example of these early Christians. We thank you for their faith and their willingness to speak for you, to live for you, to act for you. May we learn from them more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Mark chapter 8, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, one of the disciples, and he asks him a question. He asks Peter, who do people say I am? And Peter replies, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. And yet others say that you're one of the prophets. A whole range of views as to who this man Jesus was. And then Jesus turns to Peter and he says, okay, that's what other people say. What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter replies, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. So who is Jesus? That's what today is about. Our early Christians, and today we're thinking about Peter and John, knew Jesus. They lived with him, they'd um, worked with him, they'd learned from him, they'd been marveled at what they saw and what he was doing. They knew Jesus. And part of their way of influencing their community was to help other people see who Jesus was. They knew who Jesus was and they wanted to share that with others. 
If we were to ask that question in our community today, who is Jesus? We would get a lot of varied answers. And a recent survey did actually ask that question. And they interviewed a lot of people and got a whole range of responses. So here was one of the questions that was asked. There were some different explanations. And it said, which one of these descriptions best describes your understanding of Jesus Christ? One of them was that Jesus was a real person who actually lived. And 60% of those interviewed said, yes, we believe that Jesus was a real person who actually lived. 22% said that Jesus was a mythical or a fictional character. And 18% said they didn't know. So 60 said, yes, he lived as a real person. 22 said, no, it was just mythical, fiction, and 18% didn't know. But the next question went a little bit deeper. And it said, which of the following statements reflects your belief about Jesus Christ? So that was, did he actually exist? This question was about, okay, so who was he? What is your belief about him? And I've just picked out three of them. 30% said that he was a prophet or a spiritual leader, but not God. So he had a a role, he was important, but he wasn't God. 17% said he was a normal human being. 21% said that he was God in human form, who lived among people in the first century. So 21% of the people interviewed, and there are quite a lot of Christians interviewed in that, so that's probably quite high compared to the rest of society. 21% believed that he was God in human form, who lived amongst his people in the first century. That was Peter's answer, you are Christ, the Messiah. So 60% of people believed he existed, but only 21% believed that he was God. So there's a huge, huge mismatch there. And that was the question that Peter and John were living with. Nobody doubted the existence of Jesus. That wasn't what they were dealing with. So in some ways our red herring question is, was he mythical or fictional? History shows he existed, and at the time in Acts, that wasn't even a question. People knew that Jesus had existed. They'd seen him, they'd watched him. The question was, who was he? Was he a prophet? Was he a good man? Was he a teacher? Or was he the Son of God? Was he the Messiah, the Christ? And so that very same question that we wrestle with in our society was one that Peter and John are wrestling with. And the two passages that we've had read are examples of where they've taken that question and they've expounded it and they have spoken about who Jesus truly is. The backstory is that Peter and John have just healed a man. They've gone to the temple to pray and there's a beggar on the steps and he's asking for money. And they say, actually, we haven't got any money, but we've got something better. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. And the man stood up and walked. Remarkable. And the people round about saw this. And they knew that this man couldn't walk. They'd seen him there for years and years and years. So they'd seen something amazing happening. And so the people around were saying, what is this? What has happened? How have these two fishermen managed to heal this person? And so Peter stands up and speaks. He's getting used to speaking now. We heard his um, sermon when we did our first sermon on this when he spoke after Pentecost, and now he's speaking again. And he emphasizes that this healing was not in their power. 
This is nothing to do with us, he says. We are just human beings. The power to heal did not come from us alone. And he reminds the people who Jesus was, the servant of God who has now been glorified. And they say, we we knew Jesus. And we can witness that he was raised from the dead. And this was important because he's speaking to the Sadducees and they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. So he's saying, we've actually seen them. We have seen Jesus alive, having been dead. We are witnesses to his resurrection. And he says it is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to the man, as you can all see. Immediately, Peter is saying, this is nothing to do with us. The focus is on Jesus. It's in the power of Jesus that this healing has taken place. And let me remind you who he is. He is the Son of God, the servant who died, has risen from the dead, and is now glorified with the Father in heaven. And through his power, healing can take place. He could have stood up and said, I'm great, guys, look at me. But the focus is entirely on Jesus. It is through the power of Jesus that this healing has taken place. The second part, they're then in the court because the people around are really struggling with this. So Peter and John have got to defend themselves. And again, the focus is absolutely on Jesus. Again, they say that it's in his name that the healing has taken place. And they go on further this time and they say salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Not only have they seen the power of Jesus, not only have they been witnesses to his resurrection, they know that only through Jesus can salvation be known. And they're taking that opportunity to be clear and focused and saying, look at Jesus. Look at who he is and believe for yourselves. They're pretty good game changers. The power to be able to stand and to say that in difficult situations to priests in a court setting. The power of the Spirit at work in them to be able to do that. Who is Jesus. Who do people say I am? If we go back to our survey, this is a question that was put to Christians. And Christians were asked, what factors positively influenced you in meeting Jesus for yourself? So what was it in your life that helped you meet Jesus for yourself? 41% said growing up in a Christian family. 41% of those interviewed said the influence was growing up in a Christian family. Absolutely. That is why we're here today. That is what is going on when we baptise Rupert and pray that he will grow up with that Christian influence around him. What a fantastic start to life. What a fantastic influence. Because Rupert can grow up with access to understanding who Jesus is, surrounded by love and prayer. Sorry, let's set you off. But that's what it's about. Growing up in a Christian family is the most important thing. I used to get a little bit cross when I was a children's worker, and my youth workers, who were fantastic, don't get me wrong, but they would pull up in uh, church on a Sunday evening, those who had had horrendous lives, 
and then had found Jesus. And they could tell this backstory of, you know, I did this, I did that, I was into drugs, you know, I ran away from home, and now I find Christ and my life has changed. And fantastic, absolutely wonderful. And we share in that and we applaud in that. But just as powerful as the testimony of the 15-year-old who stands up and says, I've known Jesus all my life. From the day I was born, I was prayed for. I was surrounded by the love of God. And now I stand here on my own and I testify that this is true for me as well. And I stand here in my own right. That is powerful too. And we mustn't underestimate that. We must invest in our young people, our babies, through to our 18-year-olds and beyond as they leave and go off into the world. Growing up in a Christian family gives us the opportunity to know who Jesus is. And our young people may come backwards and forwards, but at their hearts, they've met him. They know him, and he has a pool on their lives. So 41% of Christians interviewed said growing up in a Christian family helped them meet Jesus for themselves. 27% said that something that helped was a conversation with a Christian friend. What I found interesting was that only 5% said it was through a course such as Alpha. Alpha is brilliant. Alpha and other courses like it are a tool to help people meet Jesus. But only 5% of those interviewed said that that had been a factor in their lives, whereas 27% said it was conversation with a Christian friend. So that's my challenge today. If conversations with Christian friends have an influence, what are we talking about and who are we talking about? Our conversations make a difference. So how can we ensure that we are revealing who Jesus is in the way that we live and in what we speak about? And it begins with our own relationship with Jesus. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to be able to describe that for ourselves in order to be able to talk about that with anybody else. I want to read from a book. There's a man called Carl Morton, who is a minister in Edinburgh. And he's written a book called Stand. And he was asking the question, how, you know, how would he describe Jesus? I asked myself that question. It seemed only fair. And this is what he wrote. He says, my response was confusing. That's a good start, isn't it? He doesn't have it all right, and that's great. See, Jesus is my friend and companion. But he also happens to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He comforts me and disturbs me in equal measure. He makes me uncomfortably comfortable and leaves me feeling secure and expectant. He gives me rest and keeps me on my toes. I love that he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah and that he has all the power for me. I love that he is the Lamb of God who was slain for me. To me, he is extreme power and extreme grace and everything in between. He is everything. Without him, I'm nothing. With him, suddenly, all things are possible. I love that he takes hold of me, and I reach out to take hold of him. Sometimes I catch him, but there's always more, and it's always disturbing comfort. It is intimacy and awe. For me, Jesus is my older brother, the one who's gone before me, the one who paves the way for me, the one who sticks up for me. He's the adventurer, leader, and the one who calls me on and calls me up and draws me in. He protects me. He gives me confidence. Perhaps because I never had an older brother, I had to pave the way myself. But Jesus has my back. He's at my right hand. He's my authority, my card of reference. He's the one who calls me to battle and fights on my behalf. 
He's the one who calls me to rest and gives me confidence to do so. When I don't know the way to turn, he's there. When I've never been this way before, he has. You can know as much as you like, but you'll never completely know Jesus. You'll never come to the end of knowing Jesus, of what there is to know and ways of knowing him. It's all about Jesus. The vision is Jesus. The strategic plan is Jesus. The origin is Jesus. The goal is Jesus. Do I know Jesus that way? Could I stand and say who Jesus is to me? That really challenged me. I know it's in a book, so he's probably had a long time to think about it. But could I begin to write down who Jesus is? What he means to me? What he's done in my life? That's where I need to start if I'm going to be a game changer. I need to know who Jesus is and what he means in my life. If we want to see communities changed, we need to know Jesus for ourselves. And we need to be able to communicate that in our lives. We need to live lives that are shining with Jesus in them. But we also need to be able to talk about it. Because our conversations matter. They make a difference. And if we can talk to somebody, we will never know the influence that has, nor should we try to. But being able to communicate something of who Jesus is makes a difference and can have an influence on someone else. So that's the challenge. Are we going to know Jesus better for ourselves? And are we going to learn ways of living that and daring to speak it when those opportunities arise? Because at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. I want to set that challenge, but I want to give you a little bit of practical help. Where do we start? If we're thinking... Actually, I really do want to be able to describe Jesus better for myself. Where on earth am I going to start? So here are some ways that you might like to do it. So as well as getting your books and your podcasts, you might like to do one of these things. You're going to be busy over this next week. But you might like to read a gospel in one sitting. We take chunks out of it in church. Sit down and read a whole gospel. Mark's the shortest if you haven't got much time. But if you read it in one sitting... You get the whole story. You won't always get the birth. You'll only get that in Matthew and Luke. But you'll get the journey of Jesus from boyhood to ascension. And you will follow it. Rather than just taking out bite-sized chunks, you'll get to know him better. That's not too difficult. Read a whole gospel in one sitting. You could do that by next Sunday. Or another option, just take one passage. Take one of those chunks. Take an episode that features Jesus and read it really, really slowly. Read it four or five times and picture it. Picture the scene. Picture what it's like. If you've been to the Holy Land, that'll be even easier. But picture the Middle East, the Mediterranean, the heat, the midday sun. Picture the conversations. Picture the surprise of the people round about and listen to what Jesus is saying. Maybe even imagine yourself into the scene and you'll see Jesus in a different way maybe write a letter to Jesus or write a description as Karl Martin has who is Jesus to me or maybe sit and listen to a worship song there are many many songs that speak of Jesus I did that this week preparing for this there's a lovely one I've got on a CD that's just about Jesus my Jesus my saviour And just sit and listen and let the words wash over you. 
and draw closer to him. We can all do something this week. And if we're serious about our faith, we need to know Jesus better. So there's the challenge. There's the practical outworkings. And if you're in a home group, that gives you a whole lot of material. I'm also sending out a little bit of an overview of this week as well. But use your home groups. Use one another. Because at the end of the day, it is all about Jesus. We could learn all sorts of tools and techniques. But ultimately, it's about our relationship with Jesus. He is the focus. He is the one that matters.